Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are very glad that you have joined us today. This show is all about the fact that after 40, women are more amazing. With years and experience, we're wiser, kinder. We understand life and our choices better. And so we're going to look at a series of topics that surround us that go beyond your normal concept of what is good health and well-being. And we have amazing topics and even more amazing guests who share their expertise, their thoughts, and provoke things that you maybe haven't considered for a long time or you haven't considered ever. So we want to help you thrive and to make you the best version of you. Women too often put things off and save it for tomorrow. Well, there are seven days in a week, and someday is not one of them. It's actually now. So I am so pleased to welcome our guest for today. We're going to be talking to Amanda Testa about sex and intimacy after 40. Again, wisdom gained, um, lots of life experiences, and it's a very, very important part of life. And, and feeling vibrant and and just dynamic, and it's really an important aspect of us. So, Amanda, welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. Thank you so much, Linda. I'm so happy to be here. You know, when we spoke earlier and emailed and et cetera, you know, we batted back and forth a number of topics, but this is one that correlates very nicely with previous shows on GYN questions, um, body type questions. And it also ties in with communication and relationships and the importance of intimacy as well as sex. And so we're going to be touching on both topics today, and I'll let you guide us where we want to go. But I know that you don't get less sexy with age, though I'm sure younger women are curious about that, Um, but most smart enough to realize that. And so let's make sure that women really realize that they really can remain the best versions of themselves in whatever way they choose as they move forward. So I will let you take where you would like to go with this right away. Well, thank you, Linda. And I could not agree with you more. I think with age comes wisdom, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And especially in this area, as we age and things change in our lives. I know for myself personally, I have a young daughter still. My husband and I started a little bit later in the game when it came to having kids, Mm -hmm. but I do have friends that are my age that have children that are now going off to college and they're kind of redefining themselves and their relationship, which I think as a woman happens numerous times throughout your life. Yes, And I know personally for me, after I had my daughter, I had a huge shift in my life. Obviously, becoming a mother is one of the most amazing gifts. Mm -hmm. It shows you how much power we have as women and also kind of really helps you to redefine what's important in your life. It does change your priorities, doesn't it? It certainly does. But I know for myself, after a couple of years of in the trenches with small children, 
I found myself at the very, very bottom of that list of things to do. And definitely someday was my day of choice. <laughs> it's it's a lot of people's choice. I think that we forget that time is fleeting. And if not now, then when? Totally. That is so true. And I, I kind of hit a low point. One day I woke up and I was would wake up resentful, exhausted, never taking care of myself, you know, carrying around extra weight and just never feeling like I could do one thing for myself. And I realized this morning as I looked into my weary eyes in the mirror that I had to do something drastic to change that. Mm. And I decided right then and there that I would. And part of that was just re- re- reconnecting to myself and all aspects of myself. Mm-hmm. And I know personally, one of the things that really kind of went to the back burner for me and my husband was intimacy. And I think that happens a lot when you have young children, because you're really pretty exhausted at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing you want to be bothered with. But I realized that I had to take some responsibility for myself, because as a depleted woman, you're, you're no service to anyone. You know, you, you're, you're not, and, and you can't fill everybody else's cup up if yours is empty. So true. So I just had to commit to making myself a priority. And I started doing a lot of work to reconnect to myself and my sexuality. And that to me was a huge missing link mm-hmm. because I, because I think, you know, we can all work out, eat better, all these things, but you have to really learn to re-love who you are as a woman and reconnect to that sexual side of yourself as well. Now, I have a question for you. Um, you pleaded woman just brings to mind so many memories, um, and I'm sure most women can relate to that. But when you made this decision to do this, was this something you decided because you came upon a moment of self-awareness and decided to do quietly? Did you declare it? to friends and family, your husband, um, was it something that you just quietly went around doing or was it something that you made sure that by saying it out loud, it wouldn't be ignored? I mean, that's a difficult question both to ask and answer, but I'm just curious because sometimes we think these things, but we don't want to put ourselves first. So we quietly do it ourselves. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it also doesn't make us accountable in terms of, you know, a friend saying to you, how are you coming along with that? That is a great choice. That is a great question. And I think when it when it initially happened, Mm -hmm. as as you said, it was a personal decision Mm -hmm. because as many of us women from the outside looking in, it probably appears we have it all together. Right. (laughs) I'm afraid we are very good at masks. Yes. And I am from the South, so we are very good at just popping on the lipstick and going about our day. And <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> so I, I, you know, initially it was a decision that I made to myself, but then I realized that I could not do it without support. So I did enlist the help of professionals, and I started surrounding myself with other women who were going through similar things and really founding community and support in that because It's so important as women, and it's hard for us, Mm -hmm. A, to ask for help, and even more importantly, B, to receive it. That is 
so very, very true. And and you were wise to do that. I think that so many times, again, falling to the bottom of the list, there's, you know, soccer shoes to buy and a helmet for this and ballet shoes for that one um, and, and just food and shelter and work and other priorities. When you chose to go to professionals, were, were there any that you would recommend to others, uh, someone to talk to or someone to help with physical ailments or uh, where did you start? You know, that that's is the a, hardest part for yeah. people is where do you start? That is so true. Well, I, you know, I reached out into my community and just tried to find groups of women who I, luckily for me, I was involved as an instructor with a fitness community called Stroller Strides. And they actually do have those throughout the community where you go and work out with your baby in the stroller. But through that, I had met a lot of uh, very interesting women in our community. And you know how you meet certain women who they walk into the room and they just have kind of this essence about them that is intriguing and beautiful. And you're like, I want what she's having. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I met a woman like that at an event and she was a coach and I decided I would work with her because I wanted, I wanted to learn how to be more like she was. (laughs) And that's a great way to start. Yeah. But I would say, you know, just looking for, if there's anyone in your community that you could reach out to, I know there's a lot of things out there like that. And for me, I actually searched Google, right? Mm-hmm. Of <laughs> which, course. Is a, which is a funny way. But I came across this other woman who I have adored and really have taken quite a few of her classes. And I'm now in her program as well to teach other women her methods of teaching connection with sexuality. And her name is Layla Martin. She has some amazing courses out there, but I would say, you know, especially when you're first starting out, you might not have a lot of money to invest, or maybe you do, but just realizing that it's such an important investment in yourself. And I realized that I did feel very guilty about the initial investment because I thought, you know what, I need to be, like you said, there's soccer shoes to buy, this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, I knew that I needed that extra boost and that extra assistance from someone really forcing me. I mean, of course, I personally had to take the responsibility to do the work, but someone holding my hand and really guiding me. I applaud your your knowledge, your self-awareness that you needed to invest in you. I, I think many of us miss that step, me included. Yes. It's easy to do. And it's, you know, it's not what our society teaches us, as especially as women, we are taught to take care of everyone else and put yourself last and... You know, in some ways, of course, you have to do that. But when it becomes the cost of losing yourself and your your spark, then that's when you have to really take a look inside. And for me, I just knew I couldn't live my life that way anymore. A very wise decision. And your husband, was he supportive? You know, he actually really was. Because I think at the end of the day, he knew he would benefit. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like most men, they really want you're their partner to be happy. They want to please you. Mm-hmm. And if they know that something is going to really help you and benefit you, then I think that they're going to be more likely to support it. Well, and you obviously had a good communication channel with him. And that's also very important, which, you know, there's sex and there's intimacy. And, and both things are very, very important for most women. And, and surprisingly so for men when you talk to them. 
Yes, we're going to be so. going on a, oh, it is. We're going to go on a very short break. If you find this show interesting and want to hear others, we can be found at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. And we urge you to go find out about more amazing women. We will talk more with Amanda Testa about sex and intimacy after 40, after this very short break. And we're going to take a look at why do we feel guilty about our investment? How can we ensure that we do follow through on these things? And I'm very intrigued, and I know you are too. I'm excited to introduce you today to Kapari, creators of an amazing line of beauty products using 100% organic coconut oil sourced from the Philippines. These are multitasking products for your face, body, and hair, and all smell completely amazing, but without sulfates, silicones, GMOs, or parabens. I've tried every product they make, and I love them all. All of them are five-star, and it's hard to choose a favorite from the Coconut Sheer Oil, the Coconut Body Glow, the Coconut Body Silk, and the Fresh Coconut Facial Lime. You may not be able to take a vacation right now. You may be frazzled, but I promise you, if you have the time for a shower, your world will change for the better with Kopari. Take the Coconut Crush Scrub, an exfoliant you use on dry skin before you step into the shower, the scent is warm and luxurious, calming and smoothing with crushed Tahitian coconut shells. Enjoy how soft your skin feels after rinsing and step into your fluffy dry towel. Now take a scoop of the amazing coconut melt and apply to beautiful smooth skin for pure hydration with vitamin E, proteins, and fatty acids. I will tell you, this is unlike any coconut oil product you've used before. This combination of the scrub and the melt is fantastic when you need a sensual boost, say welcome to a new season, or just to feel like a new person after a hard week. The sensation is luxurious. It soaks right into your skin and it gives a soft sheen. Your skin looks and feels younger. I find myself amazed at the way these products make me smile when I use them, and I believe it will for you as well. Be kind to yourself and say aloha to the best skin and hair of your life with Kopari. Go to koparibeauty.com slash wisehealth to get 20% off your order. That's kopari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com forward slash wisehealth for 20% off. Kopari, you're going to love it. We'll have a very short break and be back after these messages. Thank you for listening. See you soon. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Does your attitude need a lift? 
Does your mood need a boost? Well then, it's time for a good workout. Exercise is a remedy for a bad mood, like aspirin is for a headache. Weight Watchers reports that exercise decreases the body's levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and contributes to depression. The endorphins that you produce when you exercise can lift your spirits and put you in a good mood. Exercise can act as an antidepressant drug because it produces feel-good neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. Let the benefits of exercise give you a lift and put you in a good mood. I think it's safe to say we all would appreciate it. I'm Annette Annette Hammond. To hear more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are talking with Amanda Testa today. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about on another program and you and I have spoken about is that when we were growing up, there was that book that everybody knew was ubiquitous, Our Bodies, Ourselves, which explained all about our young, youthful selves. And I said to you that I was really not aware of books that talked about the other end of the spectrum, um, the ones that will give you the answers to your next phase in life. And you had two that you recommended. And I'm wondering if you would recommend them for our listeners at this point. Of course, I'd be happy to. The first book that I recommended was written by Christiane Northrup, who is a MD and she is also a gynecologist and she has an amazing book called Goddesses Never Age. I love that title. Right? Isn't that great? (laughs) And then another book that I really found just so eye-opening, it's called The Woman's Anatomy of Arousal by Sherry Winston. Mm -hmm. And that one, to me, I was blown away at my age that I didn't even realize some of these things with my anatomy. Mm -hmm. And I am embarrassed to admit, but I think, at least for me, that was not something that we really talked about. And I think for a lot of women, they were raised where you didn't really have a name for your anatomy. And so maybe you called it down there or whatever. But um, not having proper terminology for your anatomy, not having kind of a relation with relationship with it Mm -hmm. really causes a disconnect. And as women now, at least for me, I have had to reeducate myself and kind of reconnect with that whole part of my body. I don't think that's unusual. I tend to think that women feel that they've got it all down. You know, they've had children, you know, they've had these lives. They may have daughters, you know, going through the youthful part of things. But but again, I bring back that there's a fallacy that women become invisible, you know, after 40 and that they're just not as desirable as before. Whereas many women will tell you they feel much sexier and more comfortable in their skin after 40 than ever before. Yes. And it's, I personally feel like 40s have been the best yet. <laughs> <laughs> and being older than you, I can tell you it continues to get better. It, it's just a matter of realizing, what was the Monty Python? I'm not dead yet. And I, I can't do the, the, uh, <laughs> The accent, but, but it's really funny. You're not. And the, the more in tune and connected as you say, you know, you talked about a moment ago, the, the more confidence 
you you get. So you talked about grounding yourself in anatomy and and perhaps reading some of these books and things. And I, I love the title of The Goddesses Never Age and also the aspects of the second book that you mentioned, The Anatomy of Arousal, all very important. Because why should we stop learning about our bodies just because we're older? Exactly. And I think, you know, now's the time more than ever to really appreciate it. I think as we age, we do have a different, like you said, a self-awareness and, mm-hmm. you know, appreciation of what we've done and all the amazing things our bodies have done throughout the years. And it sometimes is not an easy journey to get there. I can tell you personally, it was a long road for me to get to this place of loving myself. But there are little steps you can do on a daily basis to help get you there. So how did you begin? So I one of the easiest things that I like to recommend to my clients is treat yourself in a loving manner. And if you have kids or if you have can imagine like a baby, like how you treat a little sweet, innocent baby and how kind and nurturing you are to the baby. And then think about how you may treat or talk to yourself Hmm. or how you may talk to a body part that you might not like. And there's actually been studies shown that, you know, how you talk to your body, it actually can respond. And when you learn things like that, it makes you realize, you know, do I want to be speaking positively or negatively to my body? And it can start so simply as even just putting your hand on your heart and breathing for two minutes, because what this is going to do is synchronize your brain waves and your heart waves. It makes you calmer and you can just have gratitude for your heart. The simple fact that your heart is beating for you. The simple fact that your lungs are breathing for you, you know, keeping it really simple and easy. That's something all of us can appreciate. Mm -hmm. And then you grow from there. But you are so right about the negative self-talk and the negative body image. I, you hear supermodels talking about the part of their body they don't like. And you and I look on in wonderment, like, really? I'm always surprised, but it's very rare to find a woman who feels that they love the body they're in. It's true. It it makes me sad, but it is very true. And I was that woman. So I can tell you there is a possibility of changing it. Thankfully, our brains have neuroplasticity and we are able Mm -hmm. to create new, you know, new pathways. So Mm -hmm. another simple tip I love to recommend is when you get out of the shower or before you get in the shower or the bath, You know, kind of stand in the mirror as close as you can to naked. It might take a while to get fully naked if you're not really comfortable. But just for one minute, you can set a timer for one minute and just look at yourself and think about the things you do like. You can let that other self-talk run the rest of the day. But just for this one minute, just look at yourself and think what you can appreciate about what you see back at you. Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe it's, you know, a specific part of your body that you like, your arm. You know, whatever it may be, just take a minute and do that. Very interesting, because honestly, when you think about our bodies, they do miracle acts and they convey our our legs convey us. We have babies. Uh, We nurture people. Our heart, our heads are all connected. Everything's connected. And um, appreciation for our bodies and ourselves is is quite rare but you're saying make it a practice exactly and that you said the right word when to practice because it is something you have to practice and do to get the results that you're looking for 
So as you do this, what did you find uh, occurred? You know, how did you feel about as you took these small steps? I mean, I know you're looking retrospectively back at probably a pretty lengthy process, but what were some of the initial steps that you found that were positive, that encouraged you to keep going? Well, I can tell you, at first, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I am not going to sit in there and tell myself things like this. This is ridiculous. You know, I didn't see anything good when I looked. I was like, oh, my saggy boobs from breastfeeding, you know, all these things. But I would, you know, I would take that time and realize, you know what, I actually have really nice eyes. And, oh, I'm grateful for all the things they've seen. And it would expand, you know. I could let myself go on all these stories. And then I would realize, you know, maybe the next week it was easier. And then it became to the point where I really appreciated. And now I look at my body and I'm like, wow, I actually like you. This is a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) But as you begin to appreciate your body, you realize that others around you always appreciated it and didn't understand that you didn't. So true. I mean, you think about how your child just loves on you and no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're just this precious being to them. And I think just reminding yourself that you are this precious divine creation. Mm-hmm. So did it time? You said mentioned weeks. Um, those are, I mean, those are the some of the steps that you're talking about. But I love that you also circle back to because that has been shown in science along with the neuroplasticity and the new neural connections for positive defaults as opposed to negative ones. Gratitude has been shown to make us healthier and to appreciate more as it becomes a more routine practice. That is so true. And that's one of the reasons I really encourage my clients to pursue pleasure, if you will, mm-hmm. because gratitude, pleasure, all those things are those are manufactured in the highest functioning parts of our brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more you can make a list, I recommend my clients get a journal and call it their pleasure journal mm-hmm. and keep track of what makes them feel good. You can, you can use it as a gratitude journal. I like because I want women to really focus on their bodies and to really, you know, reconnect to their sensuality is basically just reconnecting to your senses and what feels good, what tastes good, what sounds good, all those simple things. You bring up a very important point that I think often gets lost, and that is sensuality, different from sexuality, often confused. Talk about sensuality. Oh, that is a great question. It is often confused because really what sensuality is, is tapping into your senses, being in your body. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that so many women have a hard time doing is dropping into their bodies. And if you can imagine, you know, if you're feeling good, if something's feeling good on your body, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual experience. Mm -hmm. It can be, but you tapping into your senses and finding what feels good to you is going to enhance all areas of your life, your sexuality included, but not necessarily at the same time, if that makes sense. It does, because in many ways, sensuality is, as you said, all the senses. So especially things like touch and um, I I happen to be a very tactile person so I I love uh, certain fabrics Um, I love certain scents there's there's just ways uh, certain lighting I mean there are things that you can appreciate that 
you can increase sensuality, which really connects very nicely to sexuality, but I think it's often ignored. It's again seen as those nice-to-haves instead of haves. Yes. So how would you make them more need-to-haves? How well, do you I make think, people more aware? You know, and I think the more that you are focused on it, and it is, like you said, making it a practice, making it a focus on mm-hmm. pursuing pleasure, because that actually will cancel the experience of pain. Both those sensations are felt in the same place in your brain. So, you know, when you pursue pleasure in as much of your life as possible, you're going to more, you're going to realize that more, you're going to tap into it more easily. And sensuality is going to be something that's much more easier for you to drop into. I love that. I love that because pursuing pleasure obviously, again, helps self-confidence, self-awareness, self-worth. Women have to know that they matter. And in all of those practices that you're talking about, as simple as some of them are, they're quite powerful. And the, the hand on the heart, I love that, and the breathing and the looking and finding themselves precious, I think is really very, very important. One word that I, I love that is not used much in society today is cherish. And I think if we can learn to cherish ourselves, that goes a long way. Unfortunately, we have another quick break coming up, and then we will be back to talk more. We're visiting with Amanda Testa today and talking about sex and intimacy. We'll be right back after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. The Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to a Gallup poll, 56% of Americans want to lose weight. Most of us know that muscle burns more calories than fat. So when you're trying to lose weight, you want to lose body fat while preserving the muscle you have. Lifting weights while you're losing weight is not an option. It's a requirement. According to a Penn State study, when dieters don't pump iron, 22% of their weight loss comes from losing muscle. So if you lose 20 pounds without lifting weights, almost 5 pounds will be muscle. Upping your protein intake is important. And Columbia University researchers found that protein intake plays a significant role in preserving lean muscle mass during weight loss. Preserve your muscle as you drop the body fat. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. Amanda, we were talking before the break about, you know, simple practices can really redefine where you're going and and help you take one success and build on it with others. And all of these moves toward self-awareness, self-confidence, comfort and, and sensuality with your own body can really improve your intimate life. And I wonder if you could continue to talk about that, please. I'd love to. Thank you. And like you mentioned, yes, the simple, the more simple it is, the better. And you said tapping into your sensuality. That's something as women we can do because really we have to learn for ourselves what makes us feel good about our bodies, what feels good on our body, what we like to be able to communicate that to our partner because no one's a mind reader. Mm -hmm. And even if you've been together a short while, if you've been together 20 years, you know, things change and maybe the same old way isn't working for you anymore or never was and you're finally ready to speak up for what you do want, um, which 
you know, is a delicate conversation, but when everything is communicated with love and from a place of praise, then I think you can have these conversations. Mm -hmm. But it comes first with exploring your own body and what do you like and what feels good. And for many women, this is a challenge because it's not something we were taught to do. Mm -hmm. But if you give yourself that space to do so, then when it comes time for intimacy with your partner, you're much better able to communicate what you like. And I like to, one of my favorite things to tell my clients is, you know, when you're approaching these times with your partner, for women, and most women in general, it takes us a long time to get to the point where we're ready for intimacy. Mm -hmm. um, on average, 15 minutes for most women. And that's just an average. For some women, it's more. Because we have these different parts of our brain. Part of our brain is putting the brakes on. Part of our brain is putting the accelerator on. And for women, we need the context to be such that it's low stress, we feel loved, these types of things, so that the accelerator stays on and the brake stays off. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> so no, very well put. <laughs> very well put. Because one of the biggest aspects of women and sexuality and sensuality is your brain is your largest sex organ. Yes, totally it is. And that's why when you are able to create these experiences for yourself and your partner that really tap into all the senses, it's going to be much more pleasurable for both of you. And I like to set up a little transition ritual, if you will. This is kind of, you can create this however it feels good to you. It can be simple. It can be, you know, more extravagant, but most of us have time for simple. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, to help your brain kind of transition. And relax. So maybe it's you go and you wash your face before bed, or you light a candle, or you put on some music, or you take all the clutter out of the bedroom. Um, those kind of simple things can create that space for that for the context to be more. Yes, I'm ready to do this. My brain's in the mood for intimacy, and I'm ready for sex. Versus, you know, just kind of end of the day. You're in the bed. You're just like roll over. You're not that into it. You know, there's something to mentally putting yourself in that state. And the more you create that transition ritual, then your body gets used to it. Kind of like the Pavlov's dog theory. It becomes a response. I have another question for you. Yes. It seems to me that um, for many women, if, if you wait until evening or, or nighttime when everybody's tired, that makes things challenging sometimes whereas if you build toward the evening by being uh intimate touching um warm cherishing of each other during the day it helps you set the stage with a uh, welcoming sense of i'm so glad we got to this time of the day um, because sometimes we just can't turn the the brain off and and get ready but if you are in a loving relationship and you can convey how wonderful it is that this can become a, a, a day-long um, build-up or, or just as a part of your routine life of, as I, I keep coming back to the word cherishing, and that's my word, it can be another word for you, but if a woman feels safe, secure, cherished, treasured, all of those types of things, you're going to be far more receptive. And that seems to me to be part of the communication between a couple, would you say? That is so important, yes. And we need touch as humans. We need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that 
for most people that are married with kids, you know, you don't have a lot of that long kissing and touching like you did when you were dating or even in the early stages of your relationship. It's quick pecks here and there. Mm-hmm. And that touch is something that we can't live without. Um, so I think you're right as incorporating more of that into the day and made it more playful. You know, oh, making I, I have to tell you a funny story because I, I'm using my own experience as this. And I created uh, what I call HDD, that I have hug deficit disorder. <laughs> and so I, I would just say HDD and I would get a hug. And, and it was playful. It was fun. It was simple. I could use that with my children or my husband. It didn't make a difference, but we are wired for touch and connection. And there was nothing sexual about that, but it did form a bond and and a relationship connection going. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And I love that idea. You're free to borrow it. HDD. <laughs> I, I made it up on my own. But but it conveyed what I wanted without being threatening, which I think is sometimes so hard for women to do. If you've ever been shot down when you uh, suggest something, um, you come up with new ways of communicating. And I, I'm certain that you urge women to do this. So I'll say what I, I think is you, you may have trial and error in finding the right ways to connect and and to enact change but it's worth working toward it's so worth working towards because like anything it's easy to do and easy not to do and you have to make that effort it's like going to the gym because at the beginning you might not want to be there you're just dragging yourself to get there but once you get into your workout maybe a minute or two in you're like oh i kind of like this mm-hmm. and then you're like oh i'm feeling really good so Again, just making it a priority in your relationship and making time for it. And, you know, people think, oh, scheduling sex, that's horrible. But actually, it doesn't have to be like that. It's just knowing that you have some space to be together. Maybe it's just to to talk. Maybe it's you just are going to, you know, not have the kids around so you can create space to just, like, touch each other. It doesn't necessarily have to be intimate, but just that space to be together and to make each other feel good without an end result in mind. That's important because I think sometimes when you feel like you're only desired for sex, that turns you off on that experience, missing the the connection and the intimacy piece. And that's important to have both, it seems. It's so important to have both because I think a lot of women do feel that way. And you don't want to feel like you're just being, you know, used for sex, which isn't the case, but you know, our minds tell us so many stories and feeling loved and appreciated is such a great way to put the gas on. Mm-hmm. What are some suggestions? Sorry about that. What are some suggestions um, for for people to try? Um, maybe verbal phrases or touch phrases or whatever you would suggest, some simple things again, to, to try and create that atmosphere. So I learned an amazing exercise that I love to teach. And basically what it involves is setting up some time, you know, to communicate with your partner. You can do it. I wouldn't necessarily do it when you're out to dinner, but, you know, creating a quiet space where you're not going to be interrupted, where you can actually talk. Mm -hmm. And the key, the number one key is that you both have to agree to let the other person talk and the other person will listen. A lot of times you'll call that holding space for someone. What does that mean? That means you just listen without interruption. Whatever they say during this period can never be used against them again. 
<laughs> you can't bring it up and get in a fight. Like that. So <laughs> Good rule. Make, <laughs> making sure that you really, um, so what I recommend is you set a timer for two minutes. And first you're going to ask your partner, you'll ask them, what are you afraid of? And for two minutes, you just ask the question. And when they answer, you say, thank you. And you really listen. And then you ask them, what do you desire? Again, for two minutes and let them answer. When they answer, you say, thank you. And just really listen. And then thirdly, what do you love about me? And you put the timer on for two minutes for each of these. And then you'll take turns. And then your partner will ask you those same questions. Because I think it's such a such a huge intimacy builder. And you really find out a lot of the time as well. We do have the same fears. We do have similar desires. Oh, you do really love me. Because those aren't conversations you normally have. Absolutely right. And, and I think that... Um... There are some people who would be afraid of that and fears are normal to have when you're asking some questions you maybe hadn't asked for a long time Um, or you've gone through the phase with the young children and suddenly you're now alone and you're being asked these questions. But I bet when this happens and the exercise is working that it opens doors that had been closed. It's a huge door opener and it is extremely scary to do at first. But I think if you're in a relationship where you feel comfortable talking with each other, and even if it's been one where you haven't been communicating, you can say, can we have 10 minutes? Because Mm -hmm. it takes less than 10 minutes. And I think, and no matter what state your situation or your relationship it is, is in, that you can make 10 minutes to be together. That's valid. It's very valid. And I like that you have it so short and the response is only, thank you. So it doesn't become a discussion or an argument or a debate is simply being present for two minutes each time. Do you go back and forth? So what are you afraid of and then what are you afraid of? Or do you ask all three questions at the same time? I typically do all three questions for the one person to answer and then you take turns and then your partner asks you those three questions. Okay. And and why is that? Because that way they can really get into the flow of expressing themselves. And because it is, like you said, it's very intimidating at first to be vulnerable with your partner. So when you're just listening and not creating a dialogue, not engaging in a conversation, not saying, oh, yeah, I like that, too. Just keeping it quiet and listening. That's going to encourage them to really speak openly to you. And the first time my husband and I did it, wow, it was amazing. You know, I, I have to pick up on your word vulnerability, because what I have found is if you can open up to vulnerability, vulnerability is very sexy because someone is letting you in. And and that is an amazing thing that is often missing in some relationships. So to be able to put it back, even insert it uh, very purposefully, is very interesting. We are on another break, our final break. And then we will be back talking with Amanda Testa about sex and intimacy. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. And we will be back after these very short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's words you never heard. Yesterday, I called my computer helpline because I felt an overwhelming need to be made to feel ignorant by someone much younger than me. Hey, I know a few things about computers. 
The term reboot actually originates from the Middle Ages when horses who stopped mid-stride required a reboot to the hoof to start again. A timinagi is another name for a device that saves you time and labor, such as a computer. Because my computer issue couldn't be resolved over the phone, they sent a bobby dazzler over to have a look. The technician informed me that it appeared my computer had been shaken or dropped, or as the Scottish say, misguggled. Whoops! Did I mention I have a bit of a temper when things aren't working right? It's marching. Carolyn Davidson and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. Before the break, Amanda, we were talking about, I brought up the fact that vulnerability is sometimes very, very scary for both men and women. Can you talk more about that? Certainly. Yes, vulnerability is extremely scary for both parties because I think at some point, we're trying to protect ourselves. However, to really connect with another, you have to have that intimacy and that vulnerability. And when you show that you can handle your partner's vulnerability, excuse me, vulnerability safety, safely, then you are going to create so much trust. And from that, you can create so much more deeper intimacy. Because when you're able to communicate about these types of things, then you're so much more able to communicate about what you want in bed and what feels good and what doesn't and maybe exploring new things like when you create this safe container in which to talk about things that's why it's so important like I mentioned earlier you can never bring up anything and throw it back at them in a negative way or use it in a way that would break that trust because that would demise the trust so you have to really really listen to your partner and not interrupt because that kind of stuff breaches trust and when you are able to show them you can be vulnerable and it's safe with me, then you're just going to open a whole nother level of intimacy with your partner. It makes sense because trust, safety, um, love, back to cherish and treasure, all of those things are very important, but they also build stronger bonds and further trust between a couple, which I imagine as you're coaching, do you coach couples or women only? Mostly women, but some couples. But okay. as you know, it kind of all it flows together. It's all well. It, it it obviously does. It's all I'm using a pun here. It's all connected. Um, <laughs> the it, but it does seem as though um, it it really is one of those things that has benefit mutual benefit. And whenever there is greater trust built and greater intimacy and greater sexuality expressed, there is, there's that's a lot of part of happiness in in a marriage and life and the the trust continues beyond the bedroom at that point oh it's so true and i think for men especially they don't really have these kind of conversations with their friends women you may be more vulnerable with your friends but a lot of men they don't have this kind of support so they're never really given a safe space to talk about their fears Mm -hmm. um and to be able to do that and a lot of times they're going to get really emotional and you can hold them in that and it makes you feel good to to give them that support. And they're going to trust you. And like you said, it does build so much better intimacy and your sexual relationship just thrives. And when you are really truly having your needs met in all those ways, you do. When you're connected to your sexuality, you have this vibrant energy, this aliveness that just exudes out of you. And people notice it. And then imagine if you're having that 
and you're connecting with your husband and they're having that, it's that ripple effect. He's going to be so much more productive in his life. Your kids are going to see this beautiful relationship that you've created and it's going to inspire them in their lives. So it's so vitally important, I think. Well put. Because it's very inspiring as you take the steps forward and you see what it is doing, um, watching love. um, All of us know couples that stand out from others and they with one another. You have to believe that they have built the trust, the safety, um, the, the atmosphere for being able to express themselves. And we all want to be that couple. Yes, we do. You're back to the woman who walks into the room and feels good about herself. Come back to her. So come back to her and, and talk about how that looks, feels, and changes life. So when you come into the room as this woman, you are connected with yourself. You feel comfortable with all parts of your body, with your anatomy. You feel comfortable with being able to express yourself in all ways. And being able to do that enables you to Talk to your partner about what pleases you so you can get what you need. You're going to be more able to communicate in your job with your other commitments to be able, you know, once you have that confidence and that energy that's kind of been reignited, you just have a whole different different view of the world because your brain is functioning more and that mid prefrontal cortex on a more regular basis. So you are more creative. You are better able to handle things that come your way. I imagine you also feel like you have a team member to help you with that. That's huge too, having that support and knowing that you're in it together. Mm-hmm. Because it is a journey. A long-term relationship is a journey and that commitment is important. Um, and I think especially in this day and age, times are different than they used to be. Um, you know, we have a million choices every minute. And, you know, back in the day, you picked one person and you married that person and you were together forever, whether you liked it or not. And now people are, you know, if they, it's just, it's a little different. So people have all these choices and you want to, if you've made a commitment to be in a long-term relationship with someone, then you have chosen to put them first and to make that a priority because it's easy to let it fall to the wayside with life and all the other responsibilities. But if you want it to, to give you that reciprocal support and that reciprocal pleasure, then you have to make it a priority. You just raised a very big word. We're prioritizing women, prioritizing our relationships, prioritizing self-care, self-awareness. All of it is very, very important. It is. And I think that's kind of the the cycle of it. You take care of yourself and then you're going to better take care of your relationship and then you're going to better take care of your family. And it kind of goes from there. Because again, in this day and age, we kind of are in a society where the child dictates the family versus Mm -hmm. the other way around, which is really hard on relationships. Oh, it is. And how many marriages do you know about break up after the kids go off to college? Devastating the kids because there's never a good time for a divorce, but obviously things just fell apart during the time period that you were focused on the children. Right. You're important too. Yes. So You're vitally important. There you go. So go back to the practices, the simple practices, and the we have you know, 
we have sufficient time. Talk about again, repeat some of the practices that you recommend that become routine, prioritized in women's lives and, and why that is so vitally important. I will. So really it comes down to simple practices that you can do on a daily basis and simple because that's how you'll get them done. (laughs) And it starts by those simple things. Like before you get into the shower, look into your mirror and point out what you like for just one minute. You can take it a step from there. And then, you know, when you're actually in the shower and giving, you know, when you're bathing your body, send love to all those parts that you're bathing and gratitude and really appreciate your body and what it does for you. Doing those steps, you're already in the shower. It's a simple thing to add on top of it. Or when you get out, put lotion on, same thing. Mm -hmm. That kind of simple practice of just appreciating and loving yourself, your physical body. Getting the, the pleasure journal and focusing on what feels good. What feels good to you? What do you enjoy? Because a lot of times we forget that. And just something that simple as, oh, jotting down a couple notes at the end of the day, that was really great today. Or it felt really good when my husband gave me that nice hug when he got home for work. Or I saw a beautiful sunset this morning or the tonight. You know, whatever it is, just jotting those thoughts down. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of grow on that as well. Because, again, you can add, if you're ready, ready and willing for that, is you can add more of that creating that space with your partner to have these discussions, like where you talk about what are your fears for two minutes? What are your desires for two minutes? What do you love about me for two minutes? And then reverse that and have your partner ask you those questions. Because that right there, putting your brain in that state, first of all, you're feeling safe, you're feeling relaxed, and you're feeling loved. So if you decide that that's going to lead to sex, great. If not, great. It's just going to make you feel more connected. So very important. All of it is very important and so valuable. You coach women and couples, as you said. And can you tell people where to find out more about what you do and more information? Sure. You can always find me online at amandatesta.com. That's T E S T A. Mm-hmm. And I also have a very lively, fun group on Facebook where I share tons of great free content like this and weekly fire starters, fun ideas to increase intimacy with yourself and your partner. And that is Find Your Feminine Fire group. So that's a Facebook group. Find Your, Find feminine. your feminine Fire. Okay. It's called Find Your Feminine Fire group. Okay. And amandatessa.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. I send all that great stuff out via email as well. All very, very helpful. I, I, I love this part of things because when you talk about things that are so vitally important to life, to vibrancy, that add color to sometimes what is a very black and white logistics-oriented life, you realize that you have so much power in your hands to change your own Life, And that is probably the bottom line of what you're saying here today. Take control of what is in your hands to change and and treat yourself, as you put it at the very beginning of the show, in a loving manner. How else would you talk about tapping into your senses and the pleasure and treating yourself well? What are some other things that you can think of that actually I'm more intrigued by the fire starters. Can you share what one of those would be? Well, for example, um, creating a pleasure pack. So think of little objects that you can carry around with you that give you pleasure. 
You know, you can rotate them as it feels good to you. So like you said, you are very sensitive to certain textures. Maybe Mm -hmm. if there's a little piece of fabric that feels good or, you know, a piece of jewelry that you really like, or maybe it's a little token your child gave you or Mm -hmm. a rock, a crystal, those kind of things. Like if you make a little have meaning to it and then Mm -hmm. you carry it around with you, those are just going to be little reminders throughout your day. Oh, yeah, I can focus on pleasure. That's lovely. It's lovely because um, I actually have been prone to do that. You know, oftentimes it's just a little something from a child. Um, it, it doesn't make a difference. I, I think that little reminders, we do need reminders. We're all so busy and yet we just, and that's one of the things that we're here to talk about is that you do matter. You are worthy of the time. And Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. I've learned a lot. I know our readers will, our listeners will learn a lot, and I will make certain that I put those links in the article when we publish this podcast and really appreciate all of your wisdom. Women are just amazing. And thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. I so appreciate that you opened your show to me. Absolutely a pleasure. And we'll be back next week with more amazing guests and topics to share with you on Wise Health for Women Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.